benvenuti and ciao ragazzi to another episode of from n to i the latest podcast from the far from vesuvius network my name is henry bell and i'm incredibly lucky to be joined by kirsten schluitz hello how's it going hello it's been so long since i've seen you (laughs) but we you know we've got napoli to 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 look at in between um and Napoli are coming back, and that's why we're doing this bit of history for you, because we're so excited that we get to see them play for real again. Absolutely. And so those of you new to the show, what this is, our, our sort of short blast from the past, blast from Napoli history, um, because we are blessed at the Far From Vesuvius Network to have the person that has literally written the book about Napoli history in English. Could you tell us the title of your book, please? More than Maradona, the life, death, and resurrection of Napoli Football Club. Let us hope that it's not another death. Yes, we can keep our fingers crossed. So the first game of this season is away at Verona, which is a an iconic clash for a variety of reasons and a rivalry that is actually one of the deepest perhaps in the league. Now, where did this all begin? Um, well, I mean, if you want to go really far back, let's there do wasn't it. it's, a I've rivalry. just said it's a blast from the past. So let's go right <laughs> there wasn't away. a rivalry. I'm winging this one because I just reviewed this very quickly. There wasn't a rivalry at first because Verona, like Napoli, were saved at the very beginning of the construction of the first division for, I guess we can say, fascist reasons. They wanted to make sure that the clubs in the territories that had been, um, I guess, occupied during World War I, they wanted to make sure that those clubs stayed with a strong football team in the top division. So even though Verona were technically slotted to go down, uh, Mussolini stepped in and saved them, whereas Napoli were a Southern club and they were blessed with, even though they won one game in that very first season, they were blessed with that Southern label and they needed some strong clubs in the South. So they got saved. But at the same time, that dovetails into their relationship now, which is the whole north-south issue. But that would be skipping things if I skip that far. Okay, so, so this this goes right the way back to the kind of beginning of the club in some ways. In some ways, yes, definitely. But I would say that um, in the the rivalry sort of really started in the sixties because they were both in Serie Bay in 61, 62, and they were supposed to play, but a game was called off due to weather. Mm. And then eventually when that game was played, the problem is that Napoli won. They got promoted. Verona were supposed to be promoted. Verona did not. And so Verona got a little snippy, but that's still... That didn't really do that much. Okay. Um, I think mostly they were in different leagues. Uh, they got pretty mad when Ferlano stole their star. That would be Sergio Clerci. And um, I, have you heard of the telephone scandal? 
in, uh, just remind me just in case I haven't. So that was uh, the 1973-1974 season where Verona were in danger of going down again. And in all their infinite wisdom, they and um, Foggia, I think it was, Foggia decided to buy watches for referees because that's what oh, Italians yeah. always do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, Verona were more creative and went to their former player and said, hey, we'll set you up with a fiat office in Brazil after your career is over. If you'll just make sure that we win the game. And Clarity was like, eh, no. And <laughs> you can actually go back and watch the game and, well, not the whole game because that would be torturous. Most things involving having to watch Verona games are. But um, <laughs> it, it, Verona did win. It was 1-0 victory for them. But Clarity is pretty much the only one that's trying. And okay. to his credit, he went right to the board and he said, this is what Verona did. And Verona got punished, Verona got sent down and Napoli stayed up, Clarity escaped any punishment. Um, so Okay, so they've got these, these two incidents about 10 years apart that in some yeah. way involved some sort of and, skullduggery and shenanigans. And I'm glad you said 10 years apart because then comes the real issues. They actually kind of liked each other, which I, I didn't know at all till recently. Um, in 1983 and they were chanting back between the Curva Bay in Naples and the visiting Verona fans and they were actually calling Napoli Verona um the Verona fans were saying Napoli the Curva Bay fans Verona weird weird for us all to think about that now but the Curva A ultras got really upset about this which you know, maybe quite precedent for them. And so they go to the visiting fans and strip them of their banners, set them on fire, all that good stuff, go even further and damage their buses. Um, so hang on, who, who's, who's damaging who? Were? Just paint this picture again for me. Sorry, just, sorry. Um, no, no, it's clear. I just want this to be super... I've just I've kind of got an image in my head, but I want it to be even even clearer. So we got so, so Curva Curva Bay is okay with with the Rona fans. They're having fun. They're doing the call and response. It's all good. And yeah. but then Curva Og burns the buses, burns the banners, then goes and damages the buses. So when the Rona fans why? go to leave, maybe they knew that Verona fans are shall we say. Well, let's just get it out there. Racist. They have a reputation for being racist. Okay. So they, it's quite possible. We don't know this for sure, but maybe those Curva offense didn't want the twinning between the two. Because that's the kind of easy thing that can set up the twinning is just that simple chanting and friendliness. Mm. So that stopped it right in the tracks. And pretty much right in time because um you know what happens in 1984 then right well this is the thing in my ignorance i thought like this was the beginning of the rivalry actually so it's interesting to hear all these things from the i mean it's so great we've got you here with all this knowledge from from the book you've written so it's maradona's is it his first game for napoli is in verona right well his first 
um, Serie A game anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and it's his first is in Verona. And so he's traveling to the land of the Liga Nord. And he's a brown man from a southern country who grew up poor and has now joined a team that one is in the impoverished part of Italy that the Liga Nord members don't even want to be part of Italy anymore. And Mm. two, that the Verona fans just don't like because hello, they damaged their buses and burned their flags. So, and that was a year before. Yeah. That was a year before. I didn't know this. I should know this stuff. And just to (laughs) anyone who's listening, he's like Lega Nord. What's that? Um, it's essentially a right-wing political party in Italy. Well, actually, weirdly, the the roots aren't right-wing. But anyway, that's a different podcast um, that essentially wants the north of Italy to be separate from the south. It is developed just to be known as Lega these days. And the the is is he still their leader? Is Matteo Salvini? And let's not get into politics, but just. I'm not a big fan of Salvini. Anyway, so it's it's 1984. Diego Maradona arrives in Verona, hot on the heels of the the year before, with all this stuff kicking off with with the fans. What kind of reception does Maradona get from the Verona tifosi? He gets an excellent banner, and I believe the one that his very first one. Welcome to Italy. Yeah. That's the one that I know. Welcome yes. to Italy. Yeah. So what is what the banner is saying is essentially in line with the Lega policies of you're not part of our country, Naples. You are a stinky, dirty, brown country that's really Africa. And mm-hmm. well, they had precedent. You might not know this either. This wasn't the first time Verona had done that. Do you know, dear Chu, dear Chu, I can't say the Brazilian's names. Um, yeah. He went from Verona to Napoli, and that also made them really upset. So what happens? They say, because he is also dark-skinned, um, when he leaves... He's, they tell him, Napoli has welcomed you to the Black continent, your home, you're no longer a foreigner anymore. Right. And the papers mm. refused to make a big deal about it. They, they said it, they pretty much took it as a given that Verona fans would be doing this, that other clubs in the North did this as well. They, mm. they said, oh, it's, you know, it's too offensive. We can't say some of these things that they're writing, but they... You know, they did the Welcome to Italy banner. Then there's more of the same, like, do your job, Vesuvius, wash yourselves, Neapolitans, and also wash them with fire, Vesuvius. And to be fair, it's not just Verona, as anyone who follows Calcio knows, that we will see these banners from time to time, and more than that, we'll hear the chants. And it's called geographism. It's a real thing. Mm. And clubs aren't getting punished enough for it, even though it is discrimination. Call it racism, call it territorial discrimination, whatever you want. But it's a clear way of saying that 
this is my country and you don't fit in because either you're you look wrong you don't speak right um you're poor anything like that and what was really interesting is that i mean there's all sorts of reasons why maradona became the icon that he did at napoli but for me someone who's looked back and i think seen most of the highlights of all of the games that Maradona played for for Napoli is that I think in that moment in that first league game he can sort of understand in in a nutshell exactly the kind of shit that people from Napoli have to have to put up with that whole sort of cultural conversation about the north and the south it was crystallized I think in that banner welcome to Italy and his mission I think became very clear to him I mean, he, I'm sure he would have had an idea before, but to see that actualized in the stadium, and he always played well against Verona afterwards. So going back through it, Maradona always had that extra edge whenever he played against Verona. And um, I mean, last season, those regional chants were all there again. And I have to give a shout out to the Serie A uh, World Feed commentator, Patrick Kendrick, who during the match, in a very non-partisan way, gave i think a really good explanation of what of what was going on i thought that was that was really excellent so it's interesting you're talking about how the papers weren't kind of writing about it there's still problems there but what we need is more people like like patrick kendrick who who understand the culture and he can start to call some of this stuff out um have you got anything post maradona about verona or do you think that's a good place to kind of put a pin on it um i i just I feel bad for being so anti-Verona. I mean, anyone who's followed me on Twitter for years knows that I used to hate Kievo. I called them the uh, bleeping flying donkeys. I've transferred that on to Verona now, but in some ways it's, it, it, it is difficult to like a team that embraces their racism and uses the stadium to bring in such far-right politics as that yeah so and just like hatred on a really quite sort of horrible level yeah 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 so and and it just continues which is why i don't have very many specific references from more recent years i mean i can tell you that we drew them and we beat them once last season but it's really more about going there and making a point that we are still the number one club from the South and we're not, Napoli isn't going anywhere. Mm. And I think until Verona fans, and for all I know, this is very likely a small minority of them, but they're the noisy minority. And until the other fans stand up and say, stop it, we don't want you using our club in this way. I just can't give them a lot of my, and we need and some effort. we need some imagination. We need to get into schools. We need clubs to see themselves as community institutions. They have so much money swimming around. You could very easily commission some kind of ed- education projects in, in Verona and Naples. You know, you could do a kind of twin thing. There's all sorts of stuff that people could do. They just need to get on with it. And shout out to, to Dan Bowen, who came on in, in the shadow of Vesuvio last year to talk about what it was like to be in the stands with this stuff going on right it's um i think time's up on this stuff like let's sort it out and i think you know these two clubs 
interesting you say that they were twins for a bit like let's the positive way of looking at it is like let's let's do what we can do to get back to that but for that to happen we need to absolutely cut this stuff out um and let's hope that history doesn't repeat itself in the first game of the season i'm not hugely confident that it is not going to repeat itself i don't know what you feel i'm not hugely confident at there being a sweet reception for the southern team coming to the north once Mm -hmm. more and i'm not eh, hugely confident in the actual play on the field yet either but hopefully they'll prove me wrong in both ways well let's hope if if it does rear its ugly head once more that serves as inspiration in the same way it did for maradona so you know on a footballing basis anyway that's been our blast from the past so from n to i um looking at the history of the rivalry between verona and napoli so kirsten how do we find you on twitter that would be at kd schlewitz fantastic you can find me at henry bell calcio this is part of the far from vesuvius podcast network at far from vesuvius um please do uh respond reply ask questions if there's any particular moment from from napoli history you'd like us to have a quick look at do let us know um we are in the presence of someone who has literally written the book um anyway take care everybere and forza napoli Sempre.